welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy as always and today we are with Julian. Thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait to hear your whole story. Um, Jeremy's going to introduce him properly as always but we really hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you everyone for tuning in again and thank you very much for being with us today. Julian, we appreciate taking the time to record this episode with us. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks. Um, a few months ago, I remember being on your Instagram uh, and, and I remember you posted a, a video that really, I think I was following you, but I've never really messaged you or anything. And you posted a, a video where you talk to the camera and, and you explain in a few minutes, basically how uh, it took you a few years to... Um, how do I phrase that? Well, that you 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 did the classic pattern: going to school, mm-hmm. going to college, doing what society, everyone expects you to do, and everything to be set for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you didn't follow your heart, your passion, mm-hmm. and how you eventually take the leap of faith to actually go for it and 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 follow your creative side and how. A few months later, I mean, two weeks ago, you had your first uh, gallery opening, outro, yeah. uh, to expose your your pieces and, and your designing clothes and everything. And this video really resonated with me. And that's why I messaged you like straight away when I saw it, because, um, yeah, because I could relate so much to what you were saying. And I saw that was really, uh, really interesting because I think also it's happening to a lot of people, <laughs> not just you, not just me, to a ton of uh, young teenagers, young adults uh, taking this kind of path in their early 20s and not following what they would love to do right. because because for, for many reasons. Um, yeah, so I think you, you we have a, a really interesting and, and inspiring story to share. On yeah. that. So that's why I, I really wanted to bring you on the show so you can we can dive a bit deeper on, on, on that. Yeah, let's do it. Um, before we recorded, uh, <laughs> we were just chatting, asking you where you are coming from. And actually, you just shared a really quick, uh, cool story about your parents, yeah, about how they there. met and how you ended up in Miami. So should we start with that? Yeah, let's start. <laughs> without them, I wouldn't be here. So yes. <laughs> that's the original story. Uh, my parents are from Mozambique, which is a country in Africa. And at the time that they were born, it was a Portuguese colony. So my family's from Portugal and Europe. And in the 70s, there was a revolution war in Mozambique. And a lot of the Portuguese people left. So my parents left and they went to Portugal for a bit. And I think both, they didn't know each other yet. Um, my mom and her family chose to move to the United States. And my dad, his friends sent him a pass, uh, a postcard from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Mm. And he saw the picture of the palm trees and he was like, that <laughs> looks like Mozambique because oh, wow. Portugal was a lot colder. Yeah. And then that convinced my dad to move. So my parents actually met in the Fort Lauderdale airport for the first time. They were on the same flight <laughs> moving to the United States and and they started dating a while after, and then I showed up a while after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an amazing story that they came from like the same background and didn't know each other until they moved. Yeah. 
to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah, moving from a country <laughs> to another and then to another, in coming in the same plane and, and meeting each other at the airport and a few years later dating and everything is pretty cool story to share with your kid. Like <laughs> yeah, it's really later. cool. Yeah, it's a cool a pretty cool dinner how do you guys meet story yeah <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a really good one um so you you pretty much born and raised in south florida then mm-hmm. yeah. in fort lauderdale yeah um a lot of portuguese influence though because a lot of my dad's friends from mozambique childhood friends also moved to fort lauderdale so as I was growing up, they were my uncles and their families were like my cousins. And um, so still to this day, they a lot of them live here. And I still see a lot, like eight of them came to my art show right, last cool. weekend. So yeah, that's my, I, I feel like growing up, I identified more with Portuguese culture than American culture. Interesting. Which was, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Which parts of the culture in particular I'm interested um well the food definitely Uh because that's the food that my family that we cooked the way we celebrated holidays too like christmas and thanksgiving was always like 30 people at the table and then we had um someone would dress up as santa claus i don't know if this is a portuguese thing or just our (laughs) really (laughs) have the same christmas yeah so 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 on the 24th on christmas eve we had the big party and then at midnight one of the adults would dress up as santa and walk in with the with the toy with the presents and give them to all the kids yeah and everyone would exchange gifts and then the next morning we'd have christmas just me and my parents do you also have dinner times that last like three or four hours like you can sit at the table and eat for like hours and hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. like a French thing as well. Well, so yeah. and that depends on the dish because there's some dishes, Portuguese dishes, that take four hours. Wow. Like crab curry is a staple in our family, Ooh. which is curry is very common in my family because in Mozambique, it was a, a port along the way to India between the trade between Portugal and India. Mm. So that's why there's a lot of curry in the cuisine in Mozambique, hence oh. why my mom, why I grew she up eating up. curry, because yeah. she would cook curry. Mm. So crab curry specifically is a four-hour ordeal in my family. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the whole Christmas dressing up as Santa, I can relate. Same every year. And every year it's like, all right, there's not going to be a kid, you know, around. But yeah, eventually you got the cousin having a kid and everything. So this, yeah, you have to do it every single <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think pretty much every single Christmas for 33 years I've had someone yeah. dressing up as Santa. Yeah, last Christmas, I think the youngest person was, it might have been me. I was 29 or 28 and we still had a Santa. <laughs> I think I was dressed as like an elf and someone else was Santa. <laughs> oh no, that's a lie. There was like a 13-year-old there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but still. Yeah. Yeah, we've always had pretty young child between a cousin or the niece or nephew. There's, so, yeah, there's always someone that's two years old that is here. So, yeah, we're still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's a really interesting anecdote. So how was life growing up in South Florida? Because we were obviously from Europe. It yeah. must have been amazing growing up somewhere where it's beach weather all year round. And I, don't, I mean, I couldn't imagine growing up here. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we lived, I loved it. We grew up my so my parents lived the house i grew up in was really close to the beach Mm. like um yeah in florida here in south florida 
for those not familiar <laughs> there's like a barrier island and then there's a waterway and then there's the mainland and we lived right on the mainland mm -hmm. um and the bridges there are way shorter than the ones here in miami so it was like a five less than five minute drive i could ride my bicycle to the beach mm. um and the weather was great and then hurricanes growing up too mm. were so fun because <laughs> as a kid uh school would be canceled and then I would like go outside and play with the neighbors like and during the hurricane if it wasn't a bad one we would just like hang out and play and then afterwards all the power would be down school would be canceled for a week or two and we would just like be at home playing <laughs> I feel it's like when it's snowing in Europe yeah and school yeah. shut down it's yeah, gonna be like the same is. vibe I think yeah. yeah and then it's always for foreigners like when I think about snowing in Europe I'm like that would be terrible I don't want to live there yeah. and then foreigners are like Hurricanes sound terrible. I would never want to live in yeah. South Florida. <laughs> well, so the main difference is it's pretty much snowing every year in Europe for more than a day, depending on where you live. It's yeah, I mean, it, it was still snowing in England last week, wow. seven oh, days a ago. Days ago, yeah. Yeah, a few days ago. Uh, when, I mean, yeah, you have hurricane here, but you don't get hit every year. Yeah. Like, we've been here for three years and we didn't have any major hurricane. Right. So you know yeah I, I i'd rather be here than in cold europe yeah. <laughs> personally if i can choose um what was your what were your interests growing up um did you have anything in particular that stood out or um i had very a lot of interests my yeah i never really stuck to one thing um and my parents were very supportive of just me trying different things so i played a lot of sports like t-ball which became baseball mostly soccer was my favorite sport i played a lot of tennis too was my favorite played basketball uh piano swimming um hockey roller hockey because it's not cold here yeah. <laughs> uh and then a lot of like i'm an only child too so a lot of legos um And then as I got older, I started like building my own like little cars mm -hmm. out of Lego pieces and solar panels and motors. And and then for a cup for a little bit, I was fascinated with remote control cars. So I would like they're like little like two inch cars. So I would build tracks for them out of like huge, almost like a huge sheet of cardboard. But it was a, like a hard a firm styrofoam thing mm -hmm. and i would make little walls so it'd be like a little racetrack for right. these little cars and then my neighbors got the cars and we would race <laughs> um or i would build then we got into one time building tree houses so i would just build so a lot of like tinkering and yeah. creating were my hobbies i'm curious um you said your, your parents were really supportive uh, yeah. with all your your creative uh side projects let's say. Yeah. um what in in terms of education and and the way they raised you uh i wonder like personally it's kind of the classic uh, immigrant stuff like my dad moved to france from portugal uh and my well my grandparents and so my dad uh work really hard and it's all about you know like okay, we are escaping something to get a better life mm -hmm. uh, and, and provide for the family and everything. So it's work hard. It's all about the money. It's all about making it. It's all about, you know, getting the house and getting the food and 
and and maybe not always enjoying it in, at, at mm-hmm. the end you know it's uh hustling because we escaped so we need to make it up um and that re- that's something that that was ingrained in me for mm-hmm. years and years and years and i had to travel and 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 meet different people to really change my mm-hmm. my way of seeing life uh, i wonder if you did what what was like your your education like about that yeah very similar to to what you shared uh the immigrant parents thing was a huge influence because they they always tell me like they came here with i think like 700 dollars and that's it Mm. and um yeah my experience when i was growing up they had a they had their own business they had started a photography like a developing lab they would develop film and make like huge prints for like commercial projects and architecture firms and everything. So, <clears throat> uh, so it was cool to grow up with parents that were entrepreneurs yeah. <clears throat> and I got to like go play in their, in the, in their sh- stop, shop, like yeah. their studio. And like, um, <clears throat> they had the flexibility to like be able to pick me up from work, from school and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, the mentality that I learned from them was work really hard to succeed. And then also they did everything they could the best possible way to give me the best possible opportunity in, in life, which at that time the standard was like, go to school, go to college, get a steady paycheck and like live the American dream. Mm-hmm. which they like they prov- they did i mean i'm so grateful for my parents yeah. because they helped me get there um until i realized that that's not what i wanted yeah. <laughs> it's not your dream but, yeah. right interesting yeah I, I i like to ask this question every time we have some people uh some people from our generation raised from from with parents like coming from other countries because it seems to be a pattern there like, mm. you, it seems to be pretty consistent from different countries different cultures but it seems mm-hmm. to be a consistency there that is quite interesting yeah um, yeah, yeah to to observe um is so y- your parents had a, a photography business is that where the photography came from kind Maybe of a little bit kind of i think i i always resisted photography because i didn't want to <laughs> be like <laughs> I wanted to be different. Right. And also my dad would, my dad was a photographer and he would, he asked me to, he just took so many pictures of me. And I think, <laughs> I think every kid gets annoyed with this, but I also got annoyed with it. And so I was just like, I don't want to do photography. I want to do other stuff. I want to paint or like do other creative things, play music. Um, only like within the last five years did I pick up the camera and oh, actually okay. start taking it seriously. Because I had played with cameras in the yeah. past before, but only recently. And I had to get over my need to be different and just accept <laughs> that I'm going to be a photographer. I actually enjoy this. <laughs> and it's okay to do the same thing that my dad once did. <laughs> Was your dad like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> actually, one. this is really cool. One day he... First off, he, his experience was so helpful because he kind of taught me a lot about photography once I started caring about it and one day one night he find he like sat me down no we sat for dinner me and him and my mom and he was like julian do you want to know where you get your entrepreneurial spirit from and i was like 
Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and because I had known my dad, my parents obviously had the photography business. And he was like, your grandfather, so my dad's dad, in Mozambique. And I, I don't even remember all the details because it was a lot. But he, I think I remember he worked at the post office. And then on the side, he would do portrait photography and i think like wildlife photography or he would do tours something like but he had two or three like side hustles my grandfather and uh and it seems like he like did pretty well too so yeah i guess that spirit kind of passed down to my dad well, and the, to me the entrepreneur one and the, and the photography one right the so creative it's quite entrepreneur interesting, like three generation yeah interested in that that's quite cool yeah <laughs> And my mom went to art architecture school. Oh. So it's, yeah, there's creativity in my genes. <laughs> yeah. Don't know if that. Uh, okay, that's cool. That's really cool. So what did you uh, study in college? What did you go for? I studied mechanical engineering and business. Because that was the clever thing to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, it was the cleverest thing to do that I liked. Yeah. Because I always loved building things with my hands and understanding how things work. So, mm. and I was really good at math and science in yeah. school. So I actually enjoyed the engineering degree and some of the business classes, mostly like the marketing and psychology ones. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, and also the school I went to in Houston and in Texas It's Houston is a big oil, oil and gas like headquarters in the United States. So engineering is a very like profitable, like it's a lucrative degree to have there too. So like mm -hmm. when I showed up and I learned this, I was like, oh, even better. I'll stay with engineering. All right. Yeah. There's a career to be made and, yeah. and good money to be, yeah. to be made straight when you graduate. Yeah. Interesting. Um, how was life in Houston? Like, how did it differ to here? Because I've heard about Texas. We've never yeah. been. I've been to Houston. You've been, yeah. How how was okay. it different to yeah. Miami life? You're asking all the cultural questions. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Houston was, oh my God, it's so different. Well, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Not Miami. Miami. Not Miami, Which sorry. is like a whole different country. <laughs> Do you get offended if anyone says you're from Miami? No, like, no, I'm no. I'm not from Miami. No, I love Miami, but I just want people to know that you have to like, there's a border. You need a passport to get to Miami <laughs> from Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> um, and then Houston too. Houston, I mean, Texas wants to be a different nation itself. So yeah. like you also need a passport to get there, JK. But Houston was, so in college, I went to Rice, which was very much an on-campus social life. Mm -hmm. So I got some taste of the Texan culture, but only after uh, college, I lived for two extra years in Houston. And that was okay. like, I really got into Texas culture. <clears throat> and it's just, uh, it's so different. It's very, I loved Houston because it's very diverse, culturally diverse, just like Miami, which mm -hmm. is one thing I love about Miami. Yeah. Like Houston has like a Chinatown that you don't see any English anywhere. And you, we would go to restaurants and they don't speak English and we would oh, wow. just like know the things we wanted. Um, it has like a little India portion, like same thing, a Vietnamese area, um, a ton of like Mexican influence too. So like the food in Houston was so good and in Texas too. And the bar, the Texas barbecue, um, Southern food, all that was great. Um, 
I never thought I would like country music, but I actually, I started to like enjoy country music. I wouldn't put it on ever, but like I appreciate it. I, guess. I started to appreciate it. Yeah. yeah like, cause it was everywhere. And then I would go to some like really, really country music festivals, like out in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. Did you ever go to a ranch, like an, a real American ranch? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I dated. That's something I'm dying to do. Yeah. Uh, the yeah i mean i dated i had a girlfriend in college for a year and a half and her family she grew up on a ranch and her family so i went to their ranch which was like an hour and a half or two hours outside of houston and it was really cool it's it's so just quiet and mm. beautiful it's actually beautiful and um their ranch wasn't like so there's ranches that are just land that people live on and kind of take care of it and then mm-hmm. there's ranches that are more like big businesses that actually like raise animals and do things but this one was more of a residential ranch <laughs> did you ever go to like um a barn dance or yeah two did st- you it's called two-stepping did you do that yeah. oh, oh my yeah. god this is like my dream oh, to yeah. go and experience you like real go. america <laughs> like did you wear cowboy boots <laughs> yeah yes! i still own them <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got cowboy boots i got the belt buckle the, oh. the big texas thing uh but houston didn't have as much of that so i would go to a close uh city called college station okay where there was like texas a&m university which was way more uh of a texan southern school and you know it's kind of like gainesville here with okay. uf and like i went to like university of miami which would uh, draw more people from outside the state it was mm-hmm. the school i went to so we would go to this place for fun because it was just a different vibe. Yeah. Um, and that was like we would there's bars where they're like two stepping and everyone's like doing this like two step <laughs> dance and uh a lot of country music, a lot of guys wearing boots and jeans and buttoned up shirts and people wore hats. It's out funny because you see it on films, you don't think it actually <clears throat> exists. I think I have to see it to believe it. It's I real. Think it's, yeah. And then the, the <laughs> I hope I'm not offending people from Texas right now, but some of the the women hairdos are just so impressive. <laughs> are mullets a thing? Oh, mullets? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's not like as common as okay. movies make fun of them to be, but yeah. What are the women's hairstyles like then? They're just like really big and like mm. very like voluminous. I don't know how they do it, but they're just like so like there's like these curls and waves and then some women will like do something on top. I don't know. I heard this. I heard the phrase there, like the higher the hair, the closer to heaven. Oh, yeah. Here we are. So. Okay, we definitely have to go at some point. I'm dying to do a road trip and see like all these different areas. I feel like the States has got so much to see. You should. Texas is gigantic. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's. I always find interesting because when when you talk about the US, I feel seeing the US as a country is, is. I always compare the US as Europe. Uh, and each state is a country because it's just, yeah. you know, if you take like Florida, Texas, Nebraska, and, yeah. and it's just a whole different thing. Yeah. Like the culture, the, the whole thing is so different. The mentality, the people, the the food, I'm sure everything is Even different. the laws as well. So, yeah, the laws. Yeah, I totally so, agree with you. It's like so, a whole ton of different. Yeah. In, in, I, I feel like, and if you compare it to Europe, it makes sense, actually, because yeah. if you go from Portugal to Norway, yeah. well, you're going to have a whole different experience. Uh, right. That is probably similar from going to, to f- from Florida to somewhere up there. That's cold. <laughs> Alaska, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, totally. I agree. But, and yeah. people, and I think a lot of people that were born and raised in the United States, 
they don't realize that. And I was one of them too. It's like, oh, I want to, I need to, I felt like I needed to leave the United States to like get a different cultural experience. Mm. But only in the last few years, I started to realize, I've started to realize like how much is actually in this country yeah. that like, I don't, yeah. I mean, you you can see even just from going from Miami to, you know, central Florida. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's already a whole different experience, yeah. whole different vibe. Yes. Um, <laughs> different language. And that's like two hours away, you know, yeah. three hours. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Going, like I call it, into the deep America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I call it. Uh, it's uh, something on the bucket list for sure. Um. So you you graduated mm -hmm. right, from college and, and, and you got the first job over there in yeah. the oil business? Yeah. Yeah. I worked at BP. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Big company then. Yeah, big company. And did you enjoy it? Uh I did for the first year and then I didn't for the second year. Mm. Okay. Um Yeah, I mean it was out of college. The, all the engineers, all my friends and I, the engineers, we got jobs at oil and gas companies. Mm -hmm. And it was so exciting because they were like the oil market was booming. They, we had like great salaries out of college. Mm -hmm. I was making like 80, I think my starting salary was 80,000 or something. Wow. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. <laughs> and then all my friends and I, we lived in Houston after college, but now we had money. So life was like a lot, a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I enjoyed BP and it was really cool because I was on a team. We were, we did a lot of projects in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. And as an engineer, I like, I was geeking out so hard at how big and complicated these like machines were and like the logistical engineering challenges. It was actually like really cool. Yeah. Um, and I got to go out to the Gulf of Mexico a couple of times, which was really cool too. So yeah, all of that was like super interesting. Um, and then like a year in, uh, a friend of mine's dad came to visit and he taught us, he, he taught us how to meditate mm -hmm. and I was, I had been really wanting to learn and I kind of, so he said, keep going for like 90 days or three months and see what happens. So I did. And then like, I started to really like have all these feelings of like, what am I doing with my life? How did I get here? What did I choose? Did oh. I even choose this? It was weird. Like I had never like had these thoughts. Um, but I've, I started to question things. So that's when I started to not like BP or not so much BP itself, but just what I was doing with my life. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then everything changed. It's so interesting. It's interesting. Cause I feel like sometimes life can happen to you and you don't quite know what's happening and suddenly you're like doing something you're like how did this even happen so it's That's interesting exactly i think it. a lot of people just kind of keep going and don't really question it so it's interesting that you had that kind of realization of like whoa did i choose this is that actually what i want to be doing and yeah that was the first time i realized that life had been happening to me mm. for like a long time and you think meditation uh was was the trigger in the sense that it was the first time you were actually just taking the time to actually pause and, and think about it. A hundred percent. Simple as that. A hundred percent. Interesting. Because too, then I started to realize how much of my time outside of work, I was either drunk or hungover <laughs> with my friends. Yeah. Because we would just like go to work during the week, like party and like do little trips and whatever, play soccer on the weekends. And I, I feel like I started to realize when I started meditating that I never really had time to myself to like think or 
reflect or like plan what I want to do or anything. I was just always like doing things. You were what, like 23, 24? Yeah, I was know? 22. Yeah, 22, 23. Interesting. I'm trying to think where I was at this, at this age as oh, well. Oh, I was and still drunk. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's when we met. I was drunk until about 25. That's, so. when, we, that's when we met. So, yeah, same. But I didn't start meditating until 30 years old. So, it took me a bit longer. Oh, I started. I started. You're way ahead of me. You're both ahead of me. That's cool. Um, did you have any interest before? Like, or is it? in meditation or anything like that or it was um, just a, a random opportunity thanks to the i did um i even like looked it up online on in high school like how to meditate mm. and then when i saw that you just sit there and focus on your breathing i was like this can't be it <laughs> <laughs> so i didn't not for me no i was like this is too simple like this is definitely not it because my thought of meditation was like from dragon ball z and star wars oh, yeah. like oh i'm gonna be able to float in in midair <laughs> But not just from sitting here listening, watching my breath. That's way too. I'm so glad you mentioned Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm trying to be a Super Saiyan. I grew up with that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a Goku Funko in my bag right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Dragon Ball Z, I would watch, I think, only when I was in Portugal. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was more popular in Europe. Yeah, than maybe. Here. Yeah, in France, that was my morning before school yeah. thing. I watched the episode with all the manga and yeah. And, yeah. And I'm still doing it, actually. <laughs> I'm yeah, still doing it. I watched them. an episode a couple weeks ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give up on that. Yeah. Uh, so you left BP, and then did you move back to Fort Lauderdale straight away from there? So when I realized I wanted to leave BP, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And my thoughts, my considerations were to get a different job somewhere else, um, to go back to grad school, or to like leave all my things and go backpacking, mm-hmm. traveling. And I was like, it was driving me crazy because I couldn't figure out what to do. I was talking to people, talking to my parents. And then a friend, someone at BP finally shared an exercise he did, which has been the best thing I ever done. And I do it every year, once a year now. So what you do, what I do is you, I set aside three or four hours of time and turn off like all my electronics, no, no uh, distractions and then with a pen and paper, handwrite a hundred things I want to do in my life. Mm-hmm. It's a list of a hundred, and it has to be a hundred because, like, you you'll get to twenty or thirty pretty quick, but then you really have to start thinking. And then once you're done, the list it doesn't become a to do list. It's the point is to look back on the list and see what themes are do you want most right now. Mm-hmm. So I did that at the time, and looking back at the list, it was so clear that I wanted to travel. Like half of the things were about traveling and experiences, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing there about grad school. There was some stuff about doing career stuff. But so after that, I was like, whoa, I guess that's what I'm going to do. Mm. So um, I, I, <laughs> I mentioned to my boss, he was cool. Um, and he told me, you know, if you tell HR, they, they probably would let you do a leave of absence. And you can do a leave of absence for up to a year if I sign off on it. Um, so that's what I did. I took a leave of absence technically for a year. My boss approved it. And that way I could still have the corporate, uh, health insurance benefit while I was traveling. Um, and then I sold all my stuff. I drove my car full of some things I wanted to keep back to Fort Lauderdale to my parents' house, sold my car, and then got a one-way ticket to Costa Rica. Yeah. 
How long did you go for? Um, I was traveling for about eight months in South America, and then I spent the summer in Vermont, and then about six weeks in Europe after that. And how did your parents react to that? Yeah, that was really challenging. <laughs> um, it took about it took a few months of conversations to for them for me to help them understand what I was doing. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what's most important to them is that I'm happy. And it was just such the hardest thing, I think, for them, especially my mom, was seeing like how drastic of a departure this was from the path I was on. Mm -hmm. um, and it seemed hard to for her to understand that. So... And then I was getting like frustrated that they wouldn't understand. So like I had to practice like explain, like sharing more with them and being more open with them and not expect them to just like understand and support me right away. Mm. Um, yeah, it was like totally different than everything they ever planned for me. Do you think they accepted it, but maybe they didn't fully understand? Yeah, that that yeah, that makes sense. They accept it because it's like, all right, if this is what's gonna make like, you happy, I don't get it. But if you were happy doing it, do it. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, you two are so similar. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> really, everything oh, yeah. else apart from like the painting and building things as a kid, <laughs> everything else you guys have the same story, just like different timelines a little bit. But I'm like, I'm just sat here like, what? <laughs> it's so yeah, it's so interesting. Anyway, so you went backpacking. Where was your favorite place? Like. Where was the place that stood out? I'd be like, holy shit, that was amazing. Yeah. From that trip, it mm -hmm. was, uh, there's not a specific place, but the West Coast of Costa Rica and Nicaragua were, I just, I was surfing a lot and just the waves and the beaches and the sunsets. There was, I remember vividly one day I was surfing mm -hmm. at sunset mm -hmm. and there was this guy in the water that I had met that day. And he was going through a really tough time and he came to travel to like clear his mind and he was just watching the sun. He wasn't even like surfing. He was just sitting there on his board and he like was like, oh my God, look at this sunset. Look at where we are. Yeah. And like that helped me just like look around and just like, oh my God, I'm sitting on a surfboard watching this purple and orange sunset over the water. And the temperature is amazing. The sun is amazing. Like there's a jungle behind me. It was so cool. Yeah. So that was my favorite. And then Rio in Brazil. I fell in love. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What did you like about Rio? It has, that city has everything that I love in one place. It has <laughs> sunshine, beaches, uh, health and fitness is a very common part of the culture there, which I love. Mm. There's like hikes to do. The culture is amazing. People are like so friendly and happy and Brazilian and Yeah, the food was good. Interesting. Because it's, again, that's probably one of the cliche because when you read things, but every time you, I hear about Rio, uh, I hear about like safety issues yeah. over there quite a lot. Yeah, um, me too. So, yeah. But <laughs> I was actually scared going there because I had only heard about, because we have a lot of Brazilian, my family, we have a lot of Brazilian friends. And the ones from Rio always talk about the safety issues. Mm -hmm. So I was like super nervous when I got there. I was like, do I, can I even take my phone with me when I walk around? <laughs> But pretty quickly I realized that it's okay. Yeah. Especially during the day. Like yeah, just don't, I, don't go in. Yeah. 
Some and then also there. backpacking. That was like six months into me backpacking in South America. So I already felt pretty comfortable around. And every horror story that I heard from backpackers of like being robbed or anything, every story started with, I was out late at night drunk by myself. <laughs> so well, that's asking for trouble. Yeah. And same in Rio. The only story I came across from a backpacker was, yeah, I was on the beach by myself drunk and I got robbed. Yeah, so. I mean, that'll be the same in Paris or yeah, London most or in Miami. <laughs> in, in, yeah, in Miami. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's just common sense. So, yeah. And then also like different areas of Rio that I heard to like not really go to. So. Yeah. yeah. Did you go to Portugal when you went back to Europe? So I, did I? What I did was I was in Buenos Aires. No, I was in Brazil. And then my dad's 60th birthday was in February. And so I actually flew over to Portugal for his birthday for like a week. And then I went back to South America. Mm. Um, yeah, that was cool. Uh, actually, it was cool because then I was in Central America in September was when I went to Costa Rica. And then for Thanksgiving, I actually flew home from Nicaragua to Miami is like <laughs> three hours. So I flew home for Thanksgiving and then went back to Central America. <laughs> that's practical yeah that was great <laughs> um but yeah i went to portugal i also went to london oh good that's where i started my european leg of did the it journey. rain the whole time or were you no like... it was actually it was great it was in october i think september it was, it was the weather was fine good yeah i don't remember it being cold or rainy it was a little gray but not cold yeah, or rainy. Gray, yeah. yeah so when you decided to go backpacking, did you have any plan in mind in terms of, okay, I'm going to be doing that for X amount of months. Um, I'm I'm going to be using this time to process, meditate, figure yeah. out what I want and then, and, and then go for it. Yeah, kind of. Um, my, yeah, a couple considerations I had. One, I really wanted to do it alone because for me, that was something I didn't, I had kind I had traveled for a loan for a week in the past, but this time I was like, I love doing things outside of my comfort zone to grow. And I was like, this is the scariest thing I could do. Backpacking is to do alone. And for me, be an exercise of like being more open to experiences, more open to new people, like having super interesting conversations like this in hostels. Um, so that was one thing. And then my plan was open-ended, but I was planning on about a year. I had saved up uh, like $20,000 on the side because I knew I was going to do this eventually. So that was kind of my budget. I was like, all right, between a year and $20,000, I'll start to see when this is going to end. And then my, yeah, those were like the two main things. Mm -hmm. And then I just knew I wanted to do most stay in South America because that was the one continent and i hadn't been to yet right. extensively but the idea was really to okay i've been doing engineering and everything for x amount of years uh what's next for me there was like you, were you hoping to i don't know have a an enlightenment or anything yeah, like that or kind of i more wanted to just like enjoy myself okay. and take some time off from because part of the realization of like how did i get here was I've been working my ass off for a long time, like school, high school, college and work. Uh, it's like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I can't believe what it's like for doctors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I wanted to, I honestly just wanted to chill and mm. surf and explore and enjoy life. Enjoy life. Yeah. This was my first retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read the four hour work week? Yeah, I read that right yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The idea of mini retirement. Yeah. That's, yeah. We should all do that. We should all do that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What's the point to work for 40 plus years and i don't even know if i'll be alive by that time exactly yeah. yeah and and if you are you won't be as healthy as you're now yeah. to be able to go climb right a volcano somewhere in costa rica or surf for three hours or whatever yeah. so yeah might as well do it now yeah exactly then just save it for you know for one game or whatever for an and, uncertain and, yeah future hoping that something will come out of it yeah yeah how was coming back after that? How was coming back to normal life? <laughs> oh, unquote. interesting. I never. Um, it was. It was actually cool. It was exciting because um, I felt I felt done traveling, mm. and I was like ready to come back to normal life and start doing something. Um, I also realized that I personally i just felt a lot more confident with myself and just like my ability to do things and meet people and socialize um so yeah i was very clear that i didn't want to go back to a large company hmm. and i think meeting so many different people traveling like different bloggers or photographers or entrepreneurs even like people on vacation um it really opened my eyes to so many different ways of living that people were making work that i came back and i like had this like new understanding of like there's so much more so many different ways to live my life than what i thought of like just getting a job at a big company that's with a stable paycheck so i was really inspired and motivated and energized to try to do something entrepreneurial yeah you realize that there is another way basically yeah rather than you, you i realized that there's infinite ways yeah exactly yeah, yeah actually yeah. yeah rather than just the classic graduate and get a job in this one and 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 climb the ladder and become yeah. a manager and whatever. yeah promotion and, promotion yeah, there's just some raise. Of, there's not many other ways to well to make money and yeah. and live a happy life yeah and actually you can be successful whatever that means for for you right. uh with doing something that you care about yeah for yeah. sure and redefining success too because mm. you know that standard way it's like success is defined already as yeah because i mean well especially first job 80k i mean that's success for a lot of people yeah i was <laughs> that's it, was it. very successful <laughs> yeah because yeah. uh, i mean yeah some people work their entire life to get that <laughs> so yeah that's great that's successful a lot of people that's it uh, I, I was watching actually uh the minimalists documentary on netflix like two days ago which one the new one they did uh less is now okay. and they talk about that how um when you get out of school you think that you're gonna be happy and successful when you get you know 50k mm -hmm. and then when you get your 50 you are like hmm, well actually i might maybe i need 65 and then when you have the 65 is or maybe i need 80 to be happy and then and, and it just never stops like you yeah there's no true. number 
that's going to make you happy. A bigger house, a better car, yeah. more this, more that. Because the more money you make, right. when you're like that, the more money you spend. Because you get bigger things and more expensive things and a different lifestyle. So at the end, it's not number that's going to make you happy. Right. Uh, and it's endless. You can be making a million and be miserable, I think. Yeah, totally. So it's, it's really cool that you had this realization pretty early on, like 20, before like 25 years old. Yeah. That's really cool, I think. Because you well, didn't waste <laughs> too many years. I know, that's cool. So that's pretty cool, yeah. It was cool too. I feel like I kind of saw that in some of my older coworkers at VP, mm. like these men in their, I don't know, forties or fifties, and I just, I don't know if they were happy or not, but mm. they didn't seem happy to me. And I don't know if I'm right or wrong about that, but I was just like, that I don't want to be like that. Mm. So that was part of it too. And yeah, they had huge houses and nice cars. Yeah, and alligator skin. Cowboy boots. <laughs> <laughs> of course they did. Why wouldn't they? But I feel... And no, maybe I'm totally wrong. I think about it, but I feel also that there's a generation thing. Um, maybe it just depends on the country you come from and, and what was the background. But uh, depending on the way you are brought up, you, you the way you know, the, the family educated you and what was going on and everything that obviously have an impact. Like, I remember my dad telling me growing up, um, he, he started to work at like, six, like 15, 16 years old uh, as a carpenter. He did that for like 24 years and then he became a, a builder, building houses, I don't know, for like another pretty much 20, I think. Um, and I remember him telling me when I was young, be good at school, get good grades, so you can get a job in an office, so you won't be tired as I am when you finish your work, because uh, I'm in pain everywhere and everything. So you you get something on a computer, become an engineer, because at this time, like being an engineer was like mm. the top thing, um, and and yeah, and you can have a good salary to work in an office, and you won't be tired, and you'll be able to enjoy life this way. Like that was my dad definition of success yeah. and that's what he wanted for me. Yeah. Um, but that's because the way he grew up, he, he didn't have all that. He, he had to work super early because there were no money in the family and everything. So he was just trying. That was his definition of a good life. And he, he thought, well, that's what's going to make you happy because that's what would have made him happy at this time. Uh, so he just, he didn't know better. Yeah. That sounds um, exactly like what my parents said. But, it's, it, but that, that's what I mean by I saw, I think it's generation because it's uh, it'd be interesting to see how our generation is going to educate children about that because I feel and maybe it's just because we live in a bubble in Miami and I know a lot of people <laughs> like that but I feel there's a shift right now Yeah. Um, and things are changing and the definition of success and happiness is so slightly different than it was 20 years ago yeah uh so i wonder how that's gonna show up in the new generation yeah be, be interesting to find out <laughs> mm. however it is we're gonna mess up somehow probably <laughs> parents always mess up somehow <laughs> even though if they're amazing it's it's always not gonna be right <laughs> yeah well until someone finds a good manual <laughs> yeah yeah and but so when you came back, um, 
what did you decide to do then? What was um, the plan? So the plan was to look for a job at a startup. Because um, before I left Texas, I was I would start going to these like startup networking events and go to Austin to South by Southwest because I was just really intrigued by startups and the smaller businesses and uh, how startups like you had to be more scrappy and entrepreneurial. Like that was really exciting to me. So in the back of my mind while I was traveling was, oh, I'll come back and find a job at a startup. Maybe I'll move to California. And I met someone while I was actually in the first town in Costa Rica, like very beginning of my trip, Gigi. She was was doing consulting work remotely. She was American and had moved to Costa Rica. And I was like, oh my God, you're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do this. Um, So we just stayed in touch while I was backpacking. Um, she ended up hiring me to help her with one of her clients and we just like got along and worked well. And then we had this idea to start a startup, me and her. So my plan to find a job was gone when I came back and we were like, all right, let's do this. She also changed. I think she left Costa Rica around the same time that I came here. Um, and she came from a corporate background. Her, she started her career in a corporate environment. And was now doing consulting and I had the corporate background. So we were like, let's go for it. Um, And that was my main focus when I got to to back to the United States. I decided I wanted to move to Miami. So I did. And then we were bootstrapping the startup, which means we like weren't using investor money. We're using our own money. So I was I needed to like I wanted to make an income while I was doing that. So I was looking for something on the side. And in the past, when I, like in high school, when I wanted money on the side, I tutored uh, like math and science. And this time I was like, well, I know I can do that. Like, let me, I love doing experiments with my life. So I was like, let me run an experiment to see if I can make money uh, taking pictures. Cause I had taken a camera with me backpacking. I was starting to enjoy photography. Um, so I started scouring YouTube for tutorials on like how to make money as a photographer. I'm sure like <laughs> <laughs> looking at you. I've done the same thing. Yeah, yeah. all the, the tutorials about editing workflows and yeah. um, camera settings. And then I started building my portfolio with like CrossFit photography because I went to fitness. And then pretty quickly someone offered me, he was like, hey, I'll pay will you come shoot? He asked me to come shoot something for him and I asked him to pay me. And he said, no. And then I asked him to at least cover my ticket to get into the event, which was like a hundred bucks. And so he did that. And I was like, cool. My first exchange of value as a photographer. So about six months into the startup journey, the photography was, had taken off more and I was enjoying that more and I was making money. Um, and it was creative. It was fun. And the startup, I just realized I wasn't as into it as, as the photography. So I talked to her and I told Gigi that I was going to focus on the photography. Um, and she understood and was super understanding, which was great. And so, yeah, that's how I, that's what I, that was my start. Oh, and along the way too, I also, almost started a coffee roasting business with two other guys. And then I almost partnered with someone else on a different business. I was just like all over the place networking and like trying to figure out what I was going to do. 
Yeah, I feel when you're at this stage being open to opportunities and kind of pretty much saying, not saying yes to everything, but saying like maybe to everything is risky because you never yeah. know who you're going to meet. It doesn't matter the result, but you never know who you're going to meet, what you're going to learn. And, and mm -hmm. even if it doesn't work out, you, you're going to learn valuable skills and, and things yeah. that you'll be able to use later. Yeah, totally agree. Mm. And I wish I had done this. I wish this saying yes or maybe to everything was normal when you're in high school and college. Because, mm. I don't know, my experience was like, you get to college and you have to pick a major and then you're like committed. Why why not like have some time to like try different things and like... Well, I think that's because we opted from a really, really, really young age that failing is wrong. Mm. That... Mm, doing something not right is wrong because you get a bad grade you know and everything is read on a paper and yeah. it's scary and you're being told off by your teacher and your parents because you didn't do it right right so when you're 18 or 20 i mean you're not gonna start something that's you're not good at and you might fail because right. you think it's, bad. it's wrong and it's yeah. bad and, and people are gonna tell you off again so yeah. i mean it's when good. you do that for like 18 years or 20 years it's there right it's in the brain i think it's that's a good point. It's as simple as I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When when actually failing, I don't like the word, but uh, not succeeding and not doing it right or not having the success that you not, might expect yeah. is, is not is getting okay. your desired outcome. Yeah, it's okay because you're going to learn. It's about the journey. You're going to learn along yeah. the way. And I mean, I don't know how many things. Oh, I start a new like, and fail everything. <laughs> no, but it's not fair. It's like, or you get bored of it or whatever. Yeah. But you learn, you learn it's not for you. I listened to yeah. this. I heard this talk last week, which was the best thing I've ever heard about purpose. And it was like kind of spiritual. So bear with me. But he was saying, if you achieve your purpose, you will leave this lifetime. Like you're, you'll be done and you'll leave. So mm. what we're doing here is constantly discovering what is not our purpose. So just pick something that you think might be it and then you go do it. And then until you realize this isn't it and then yeah. you move on. Yeah. And it's like just accepting that that's part of our journey here as humans. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, right? No, but I think Very it's cool. so true. Like you, you, It's true in, in the business side and in life as well. Uh, you know, mm. you, you meet people and you think, oh, I could be friend with this person. And after six months, you realize that it's not working, but you realize, oh, actually, well, yeah, this person, this person was a jerk because of whatever, or, or you know, maybe I'm not going to trust everyone. I, you always learn from experiences, yeah. um, and you always grow from it. Yeah, which that's what you want. You, you want as long. I think as long as you get a good lesson or something out of it, right? The outcome is not that important. Yeah, I agree. That's important sense, to get the lesson. Uh, yeah. If you get fair. nothing right, maybe it's not. But if you get something out of it, that's fine. It's not wasted. It's not a waste of time. Sure. And also something I think that that's really hard um, is how many people get caught into, you know, I'm going to start a project. I'm going to spend 12 months or two years on that. And you can see it's not working. Everyone can see it, but you don't want to give up because you don't want to have wasted right. 24 months. So yeah. you're going to keep going. Yeah. Even if you know deeply, there's no point. Yeah, you, that's... You, you, but, but you don't want to admit that because you think that if you give up, it's like, I've wasted this much time and money. So. Yeah, that's like a like a studied cognitive bias <laughs> of humans. 
of like holding on to sunk costs, mm-hmm. sunk costs of time and investments. Like if we see our investment go down in the stock market, we'll still hold on to it, like hoping it'll come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like lost time or time mm-hmm. spent into something. That's just because if you get attached to the outcome, yeah, the outcome of the business is not what you expected, but in two years, everything you've learned, created this business and, and implementing and everything, like still there, you've learned from it. Yeah. It's not wasted. It wasn't a waste of time. Yeah, Whatever sure. you're going to be doing later, you, you, you probably do it better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, stop being attached to the outcome, I think is pretty <laughs> Yeah, that's important. very important. Yeah. And have a willingness to like, innovate and pivot and try things differently and yeah that's how she lives her life oh yeah <laughs> i'm always trying different things so i want to ask you about painting yeah when because i think i remember you said it started during covid last year mm-hmm. so talk to us about that had you been doing photography up until then and then you switched to portraits because no one was doing photo shoots anymore mm-hmm. painting sorry or is that how that yeah, happened yeah, yeah. yeah so i started photography that was in 2017 and then after a while people asked you to do video i started saying yes so photography became photo and video became also branding and marketing so all just like creative services for clients Mm -hmm. but the whole time i was like man it's so cool that i'm helping these clients like sell their products i i want to have my own products and it was always in the back of my mind and then Finally, in September 2019, the year before COVID, I did The Artist's Way, which is a book about rediscovering your creativity, essentially. Mm. It's a 12-week course. Um, So the book has 12 chapters. You do it one each week. And it just like, it totally changed my my life creatively. Mm. And it, it got me reconnected to what I, my inner artist and my creativity. So I started painting again in the fall of 2019 okay just for fun like on the side but definitely on my mind was like maybe i could sell these and then when covid came around and the quarantine started a lot of my photo projects got canceled so i was like all right let me try being my own client and marketing and branding myself and my art so yeah once the quarantine started i sold my very first painting in april of 2020 and i was like whoa that was cool <laughs> let me try this again and uh yeah and that's and that must have been such a nice feeling oh so cool <laughs> it was the best it was the best and it was like yeah i sold my first painting and it was easy I, like i just started posting <laughs> on instagram about paintings and then one guy a friend of mine oh we like texted each other it's like oh how are you doing covid blah blah, blah. what's how are you holding up and I told him, yeah, I've started painting. He's like, show me your work. And I sent him a couple of pictures and he said, I want that one. What are you asking? And I said, 800. And he was like, I'll give you 750. And I was like, done. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think uh, all, the, all the years spending doing photography helped on that? Because I feel something that... Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, jump in, Rosie, uh, whenever you want, but uh, creating pieces of art can be a portrait, can be a painting, whatever is uh, something. But I feel a lot of artists struggle to put a number, like value the yeah. work, and, and so that is so hard for so, ev- hard. so many people. Uh, so you think the, the fact that you already sold 
yeah. your services oh and everything God. that was way easier. Yeah, so much. My the hardest thing for me when I was starting photography was to start charging. It took me I did so many free shoots mm -hmm. before I finally had the courage to say it, this is going to cost a hundred dollars yeah and how long it took to actually have a decent number because right. 100 bucks is obviously <laughs> yeah i mean 100 yeah now it's like way more than that but i yeah the money the money plus money for creative work has been like my biggest growth and learning for the past five years because i grew up thinking well like bp taught me not not bp didn't literally taught me what i learned there was i can make a lot of money doing something i don't love so now i was like i had to like undo that like i love this this is fun and easy how like i can also make money like that was so that was something i had to start to learn and embody and then so many breakthroughs i had to have mm. like charging what i wanted to charge people for the services and like increasing the prices and everything and if you don't mind me asking how i understand pricing in terms of like photo or video services mm -hmm. um with art uh and i'm not an arty guy at all so this <laughs> is really abstract to me and yeah. my brain um but i feel it's way harder to put a number because it's yeah. art is really subjective uh you can't charge based on how long it took you to paint the thing. You know, it's yeah. not like, oh, I spent two hours, so it's that much. I spent three days, so it's that much. Right. It's, it's a number. It's a feeling. Yeah. How, how do you come up with a price on a painting? How do you think this is going to be damaged? Yeah, so, I mean, I believe, I have a couple of thoughts and beliefs on this. The way I price, anyone prices their services or their art, it's pretty much, it's mostly like a self-worth conversation. It's how... How much do they value their their own like value of what they do so um yeah i mean there's artists that like would sell a painting for 50 dollars because that's that and then there's artists that their first painting ever they'll price it at like half a million dollars yeah because it's just like it's a feeling it's like a confidence thing so like it's i think i always try to pick a number that feels right and then add a little bit just so like I'm like growing. Mm. Um, so that's one way to do it. So like that first one, 800, it was like a big 36 by 48 inch painting. Like it's a cool, like sizable thing. So yeah. I was like, all right, this shouldn't be like 200 bucks. It's an original oil painting. And I was like a thousand. Oh, that feels like way too much for me at the time. So I was like, all right, let me go for 800. And even telling him 800, I was like so scared. I was yeah. like, what if he says no, I just wanted to buy it. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing I learned from a fellow artist was looking at a painting that you finished, what is the lowest price that someone would have to give you for you to let go of the painting? Mm. Which is great because it has me only make paintings that I enjoy because like if no one buys it, at least I, I get to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then and then now I have like a a reason to let go of it because someone's paying me enough someone is willing to pay me more oh than God. than i want to keep it or not so that's a cool that's a nice way to see it yeah yeah so it's like what's the lowest and then add a little bit and do you price based on do you take into account also your audience 
um, in a sense that um, I don't know. Okay, most people following me are not millionaires, so I know they're not going to spend 250k on a painting. Yeah. Do you make this kind of assumption? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Um, definitely, like last year, way more because my audience was uh, still is like mostly friends mm -hmm. from like high school and college, and um, so I would like keep most of my paintings under a thousand. Um, and a lot of it was actually really cool that a lot of my friends bought paintings, oh, yeah. which was cool because like at this age, a lot of my friends from college and high school have been working for a while and now like have mm -hmm. more financial resources yeah. to spend on art, which is cool. But I mean, mm -hmm. I don't want to, I want to increase the value of my paintings continually. Um, so I feel like now I'm getting to a point that I'm starting to do some more outreach to like find who my audience figure out who my audience is and it's a continual mm. discovery but because i feel and again that's coming from someone that's not into art at all mm -hmm. and, and and i i, I do struggle to put numbers and get the value of art like because i'm really like logical and give me an excel spreadsheet <laughs> more than <laughs> yeah. <And> that's <laughs> how many square inches yeah, how much so, does the paint cost you know yeah I would, that, yeah exactly that would be my thought process yeah. so that's why i struggle with that um but i feel i mean first it's like putting like a you know like a six digit number on a painting mm -hmm. i think you need the like balls to do like this is going to be worth 200k yeah. <sighs> like that's confidence mm -hmm. first um but also it's i you need you need to be able to sell that because i mean yeah you can put a number you want but if you don't have the marketing skills the network right. the audience and right. the, the skills to sell that for that price well i mean you can put as many zeros you want you'll never right. sell it so you need also the the skill the confidence to do it but also the skills to be able to find someone willing right. to pay this price um yeah it's both it's this it's the balls to do it for sure <laughs> and like people feel that that confidence like if you i think which is why i say the self-worth part mm. of pricing because if i were to price a painting at like a hundred thousand now that's beyond what i believe in this moment i can actually make so like when i'm telling someone that's going to be a hundred thousand they're gonna i feel like they're gonna feel mm -hmm. that i'm like not confident about oh. that and that i learned working with clients okay like if i say to a client so, this shoot is going to cost two thousand dollars <laughs> confidently they're more willing to say yes than if i'm like um it'll be you know uh two thousand dollars and mm -hmm. you know it's totally different and then there's you can have a quality product there's the quality of the product and then there's the the distribution. So like the, what you were saying is like the skills and the network. Distribution is like so important in art I'm learning. Like that's pretty much everything. Like if you have the right distribution, you can sell, I mean, like that banana. Did you see that banana? Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Uh, yeah, it's a banana duct yeah. taped to a canvas yeah. that's sold like for Like the artistic value, I do struggle with that. Like, right. <laughs> but that had made that got amazing distribution. So enough people saw it in the art world and someone bought it. Yeah. So like, I think that's where my mind is at these days is distribution. Mm. To like get myself in front of more people that are like in the art world and willing to spend money on art. So you had your first um, art show. Mm -hmm. How was that? Was it nerve wracking? Was it exciting? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was wild. Um, 
Well, you go to Wait, studio. One, one thing before yeah. that, well, I just remembered about the value of art too. At my art show, someone came. Mena, shout out if you're listening to this. She... Well, I, I like learned that the value of art, I finally understood the value of art. It's like there's this is a piece of art that someone's going to have in their home for like years, maybe the rest of their life. And they're going to like look at it and appreciate it and see something different. And it's like you can't price that. There's like oh, yeah. no va- there's no mon- monetary value for like pricing the impact of something like that over the years and years. Mm. So that helped me feel better about raising my rates. Yeah, I also <laughs> do feel that you, you could have a painting here. You don't put a price tag on it. You might have someone coming saying like, I'm giving you 10K for that. Yeah. Because that's what I feel is worth. Right, right. Like, you, and someone might come and say, I give you 50 for that. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, bidding war. And, no, but yeah, it's just because in your eyes it's worth something yeah. but also in their eyes like you said yeah, you, yeah. you don't know what's gonna come up and yeah, sure. and like you said maybe they're willing to give you whatever to see that every damn day sure. because it's making them happy yeah yeah and there's and, people too that will look at art and they won't even take it seriously because it's too cheap mm-hmm. like there's i mean the higher end art buyers they yeah there's like a there's a bottom to what they you want had to spend that well, photography mm-hmm. like if you're too cheap you're not a good yeah, people perceive or, your value yeah. as low. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's part of like growing the balls to be able yeah. to charge that <laughs> much so that people would be like, you know, that's a fairly priced painting for $80,000. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so you made this first sale that inspired you to get a studio and eventually to have an art show. So yeah, I made the first sale in April and then over the year I sold enough paintings to prove to myself that I could do this. Um, and then, yeah, so I got a studio. My dream for the past four years was to have my own creative space, my own like warehouse studio. Uh, so it finally happened, thank God, this year. And I had my first art show, which um, it was two weeks ago or last weekend. And yeah, that was such a emotional roller coaster, <laughs> to be honest. Um, one thing I'm really... I've been really practicing this last year has been like putting myself out there more and like sharing about what I do and being more like on stage or in the spotlight, Mm -hmm. which is like extra important now as an artist, I think to like share my, what I'm doing and about my art. Um, So that was part of the intention for doing the art show was to like back to doing things outside of my comfort zone and doing experiments. This was going to be like a huge for me, a huge like outside of my comfort zone experience of being the center of attention <laughs> <laughs> which i don't like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so but it's important i think and which i saw as important to like do energetically for me mm-hmm. to just like also to like prove to myself and like tell the universe i'm an artist and i'm committed to this um so yeah it was yeah, I, I mean, so many things about the art show. <laughs> it was it was good. How did you feel after it? Exhausted? Depressed. Uh, depressed. But, oh, yeah? Yeah. I was, like, so bummed and, like, lonely and sad, if I'm being honest. Oh, wow. And uh, it was weird. I didn't understand why. And then finally, a week later, I was talking to a friend 
So this was last weekend. And I told him this and he was like, and he's worked, he himself has put on massive conferences and he's been on stage. He's been the, and he's worked with celebrities too. And he's like, yeah, it's very common after you're, after you do that, after you're in the limelight to like Mm. feel like there's like a neurochemical, I think he said like serotonin or something like drops. Mm. So like you're, you feel really low afterwards for a few days. So that's really what I felt. I was like grateful to happen and I was like, whoa, I can't. During the art show, I was way more like amped and looking around and it didn't feel real. I was like having an existential meltdown in my mind of like, what is happening? Is this real? <laughs> Why are all these people here? <laughs> yeah, I was like looking around. There's all these people in my gallery, in my studio. And I'm just like, is this actually, ha- I can't believe this is actually happening. And then afterwards, I was just sad. It's amazing. One year, pretty much, like in 12 months. You went from, okay, 18 months from painting again mm-hmm. to having an art show. Yeah. That's really quick. And then yeah, bring all that together. And then yeah. that's so cool. Congratulations, Rui. Thank mean, you. It's amazing. Yeah. You're planning to, to, to do it again? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely we'll do it differently. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I my plan, I'm actually planning with a friend now. I want to do once a month, maybe once a month, just like one night a month, mm. like open the studio and have it like be a theme, whether it's like an open mic or just like a live music or a panel discussion on some topic, but mm. something interesting each month. Um, because I really, one thing I like to do is get people together and like throw little events. So it's amazing that you've got that space as well. I yeah. think that's like every artist dream. Like I keep saying to Jeremy, I need a house with a huge garage so I can just do art stuff. Like whether it's <laughs> photography, painting, whatever it is. Yeah. That must be such an amazing feeling to have that space yeah. for you to play yeah. and explore and just do what. Yeah, it's my playground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to plan anything for Art Basel? Yeah. I mean, you're in Miami. like. Yeah, I don't know what yet, but definitely. That'd be cool. Yeah. Watch this space, guys. Yeah, watch it's out. gonna be huge. It's coming. And on the side, you decide you decided to design uh, your first piece of clothing. Yeah. How how's that coming from? Where's that? Um. Yeah. So I last year at the end of 2020, I started this um, 30 day challenge to spend at least 30 minutes every day creating, mm. and because I have like varied interests, creative interests. Um, I didn't paint every day. So other days I was like, it started to open up like, oh, I can do other things now. So I started making, designing jewelry, which I started doing last summer. And then I also, I always had this idea for like, this idea for a jacket just like came to me. So I used a lot of my days during those 30 days to like work on the design I found a seamstress in Miami and I went to meet with her and she like helped me like make, take measurements. And then I went to downtown Miami on an adventure to like find fabric. It was amazing. Um, so yeah. And then I also have this, uh, one thing I try to do and am passionate about is showing how showing men that it's okay to like, have these creative endeavors and sides that are typically not seen as manly, mm-hmm. like designing clothes. Um, 
or like at least for like typically straight men yeah so um also like jewelry and these are things like even growing up like i loved making jewelry and uh like painting my skateboard like one time i painted a rainbow on my skateboard and i got made fun of for it and i was like what this is cool and like the jewelry too it's like i I don't know it's like society is like manly like play sports and like go make money on wall street people will tell you you're gay yeah (laughs) so now to this day like i still love doing all these things and like i identify as a straight man so like i want to do all these things and just like break that story of like who cares like do it so yeah i loved the experience of designing this jacket and um it inspired i have other pieces in mind so my intention is to launch a little not a little launch a collection of clothes and have a fashion show in my studio this year so that's coming soon stay tuned it's gonna be really cool do you have a a name for the brand or uh maybe i might i so i started a jewelry brand with a friend it's called vast Mm -hmm. and the intention is to inspire men to like be more self-expressed um and that's kind of on the shelf but we're still like talking about doing it i may use the same brand Mm -hmm. for the clothing line Mm -hmm. um i may not i'm not sure the brand and the name usually is like later in my process i'm more interested in getting the product started so but we'll see so what's your you're still young so you still have a lot of hopefully (laughs) years um to to create but maybe not so maybe i should go backpacking again (laughs) jesus jeremy (laughs) you might nice tomorrow but you might live in 30 years no but if you um Ideally, would you like to just live your life from creating now? Um, whatever it is, maybe it's going to be painting for a few years and maybe something else in a yeah. few years, but uh, just live from your creativity. That's yeah, what that's, like. that's the plan. Yeah. It's definitely to find, I mean, as financially with the careers to make money doing creative stuff. Um, and I want to do a lot. Like I want to keep painting. Um, the way I see it is I'll probably bounce around between painting. I want to get back into filmmaking because I started to dabble with that um, a few years ago. So I want to make a film. Um, like one of my goals is to win an Oscar. So that'd be cool. Um, the clothing stuff, I'm really, I really enjoyed that. So I definitely see myself like getting more into that. But I think like some sort of making as far as like painting or sculpture something with my hands will like always be present so i definitely yeah i just want to keep being a creator creative i love that you can make enough money with the painting to then also do jewelry and also do fashion and also do film and like have it's almost like having a secure job even though it's painting and it's something that you still love i love that you've kind of got that base and you can just play and do other things my god i'm so jealous (laughs) well you've got the space you've got the money you've got the everything yeah well my income now is about half and half painting and i still work with clients okay so i still do photography and i still have like i still help some clients with their marketing and consulting um the intention is definitely to transition Mm. to work a little less with clients because i still i do still enjoy yeah working with clients and helping other people directly like that but definitely the intention is to make way more money with my creations. Um, 
also these things aren't as expensive as people think like making the jacket um between the materials and paying the seamstress i paid about 200 dollars, which like that's like real money but like I'm also not spending that much money like going out and like going out to restaurants and stuff. Like I pick, yeah. I I prioritize spending my money on my creations because that's what I love. Yeah. Um, like I don't shop or like do anything. I also made this jacket because I couldn't find this jacket anywhere. Mm. So like I might as well just make it. Yeah. <laughs> Same with the jewelry. Like I made the jewelry that I wanted because I just can't find it anywhere. Um, but between the supplies and everything, it's not super expensive. I mean, that's usually how things start anyway like right. there's a problem and you find a solution for your own problem right and then you realize actually maybe other people yeah. have the same problem and yeah, then you true. you expand yeah and not That's... having this jacket was such a problem <laughs> <laughs> no, if it makes you happy that's fine yeah exactly Especially in miami i don't know why you need a jacket but <laughs> i know i know it's more of a looks thing i i had to find like a thin material so i could wear it in miami <laughs> yeah. But Miami is addicted to air conditioning, so I can wear it indoors. Yes. Yeah. I did say that when we moved in, the idea of an inside jacket. Yeah. Inside jacket. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing you, here. You, you need a jacket just inside. That's funny. Maybe that'll be a problem. I literally. <laughs> the inside jacket. Yeah. <laughs> I was making drug like when we moved here and we were at the co working space. And I was like, we need an inside jacket and you could design it to be practical inside. Yeah. To have like, you know, something for a pen, like things that you need when you're at the office yeah, to carry yeah, around that's true. so you could make it practical for that you <laughs> yeah. would never wear outside yeah it's that's too funny. Hot. But you don't need it anyway it <laughs> reminds me of my high school we would like people we wore hoodies like sweaters in the classroom and then took it off to walk yeah. to the next <laughs> class and then put it back on when you're in class <laughs> yeah this, yeah that's definitely like a florida problem yeah yeah we don't have that problem in europe no yeah. that's true. <laughs> don't, yeah. Yeah. it's like you can see everyone is freezing, but yeah, let's keep it this way and <laughs> waste energy and pay more. I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> and that weird white stuff that falls from the from the sky. Oh, yeah. It stays on the... I don't, under, I don't know what that is. It's like sand. What is that, sand? It's like white sand and it's cold. <laughs> I don't get it. It's weird. <laughs> cars slide on it. And I don't... Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Sometimes it piles up really high and you can build a snowman and yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense, yeah. yeah. Crazy. No. <laughs> Are you going to ask your question? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Unless you've got any <laughs> other questions. Uh, no, I don't. Um, just to finish, if you could have a, a conversation, a chat, a dinner with someone that you think is really interesting in your eyes, uh, who would you pick and why? <laughs> <laughs> Dead or alive, famous or not, yeah, or open to anything. Um, you know the two. Can I pick two? I'm gonna pick two. Yeah. So this new thing has been happening to me recently in the studio painting, where I've started playing albums, music albums on repeat. Mm -hmm. I never used to do this, but so my last, the last two artists I've been putting on repeat have been Maluma and Justin Bieber, and I've been wondering why. Yeah. <laughs> But because Maluma, he released this new album. It's kind of like reggae, reggaeton mix. But now I've started like following him more on uh, on social media. And Justin Bieber too, like his latest album, I just love it. And it's so good. And I just think the reason I would want to sit down with them at dinner and the reason I've been listening to them so much is because 
what I see in them is it's kind of like what I'm going for with myself. It's like they're just like so confident and committed to being an artist and doing life the way they want and are now at a place where they can they're like working on these projects like Maluma is involved with like fashion and like just did this like design partnership and he like he likes to act and he does um like these really cool music videos for all his songs um and then Justin Bieber is like collaborating with all these cool musicians and he's like yeah it's just really cool and I think that's kind of what I want to cultivate is like the ability to do cool creative projects in different industries in different ways. So to have dinner with them would be really cool just to like be in their energy and like hear about it. And mm -hmm. like, I think, I mean, you know, the, the five people you hang out with the most are like the people you end up with. So yeah. I think just being in their presence would like, I would start to learn and like yeah, see sure. what that's like. So Justin Bieber and Maluma, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, hit me up. I'm in Miami. Uh, we'll make a, a painting together <laughs> with your music. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Um, it's interesting what you said. I'll, I'll go one last question, actually, because um, you said before that when you were a kid, kid make joke when you painted a rainbow. Um, you, you said also you want to help other men express themselves uh, and yeah. being okay with yeah. whatever they create without the fear of judgment and everything yeah. that's something you struggle with and is that something that uh hold you back before starting to yeah. paint or playing or whatever yeah definitely a little bit um like really in high school you know mm -hmm. there's like the stereotypes in high school of like the jock and the artist and the jock is typically more popular yeah. and i wanted to be popular and have friends so i did take art classes in call in high school but i didn't really identify with like being an artist i definitely like would play sports too and like hang try to hang out with like the cool kids and mm. all that high school drama mm. um and then this was it, yeah it was never like a huge thing but in the back of my mind there was i took on this belief of like men don't like manly men don't do these like they don't design clothes or like be an artist or sing which is weird because a lot of the top artists and singers are men <laughs> but for whatever reason in my culture growing up it was like men are businessmen mm -hmm. um entrepreneurs doctors engineers athletes like all these things so yeah it kind of mm -hmm. it held me back a bit and there's um in various ways so breaking through that and and the way you you're trying to help other guys to express themselves is while like getting creating a safe space and maybe talking about it like yeah i know. do that a bit um but what i've learned a lot recently is that or actually throughout my whole life as i reflect is the way i have been able i have helped people the most is just by being an example mm -hmm. so not so much like some people who are coaches and they like directly help people mm -hmm um i've made more of an impact being an example so like i have my ears pierced i recently did that a, a couple of years ago so that's like an example of like um just like being more expressive with jewelry and uh pursuing being an artist 
too like that i've had so many people like you like reaching out on instagram and be like wow i'm so inspired like i didn't call you and be like hey can yeah, yeah. i can i help you <laughs> and inspire you yeah like um just sharing what i do has been hmm. has been cool cool yeah putting yourself out there and yeah like you said before which is back to like the the spotlight being yeah. a star yeah. thing it's like to me that's that seems more fun too than um like being a coach yeah so <laughs> i'm just gonna do my thing and keep inspiring people that way cool well keep creating because you're obviously very talented at it and and it is inspiring people and you're having fun with it so yeah go for it <laughs> yeah and let's see what you what you end up doing that's the plan yeah just getting started yeah no a lot because you do a lot as well you do a lot of different things mm. so it'd be interesting to see in two years what you have your hands on <laughs> yeah i'm interested too yeah. i have no idea <laughs> to see the process, yeah. where can people find you if they want to follow along your journey awesome uh instagram is julian underscore creates um that's where i post all about my art and my creations now fun fact if you scroll back far enough i started this account when i started backpacking in costa rica mm. so you'll see photos and stuff back then when i wanted to start being a travel photographer <laughs> or maybe like start being a, fit, a fitness instructor um but yeah that's my instagram and then my website is juliancastro.art um you can see the art and uh yeah that's me i like that you didn't get rid of all the old pictures no, no, no. Uh, Keep it. so you can see the the, the progress yep. and and the whole journey that's pretty cool actually yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed this whole conversation. And yeah, thank you. It's been amazing. Thank you, guys. Did I inspire you to paint again? No, not paint again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are, what are you inspired to do now? I don't know. Like, I've always wanted to do a fashion line, like make my own clothing, but I never really knew where to start, how to do it. And I'm just like, okay, we'll design something, take it to a seamstress, find some material. Yeah. I didn't even design it. I made a Pinterest board mood board of mm. different jackets so i was so i took that mood board to the seamstress and i said i like the collar of that jacket the sleeves of ja that jacket the length of that one and then she made this design with her like pencil mm. and paper but i just had the vision because for years i've always had designs in my head of like oh i'd love a skirt like this and i just can't ever find it and i'm like okay well i'll just never have that skirt no you can make it now okay <laughs> when i'm as well okay we're gonna go backpacking maybe once we come back from backpacking <laughs> I'll start making my own things. And also home furnishings. I'd love to do like cushions and curtains yeah. and I don't know. Well, I've I mean, made my own furniture too. Have you? I have this issue that I can't find what I like. Yeah. So yeah, I've made like, yeah. Well, you do have the, this idea of also using the, the travel to potentially yeah, like mix that into the creation. Yeah, I'd love to take photographs and draw inspiration from our travels to yeah. maybe do something interiors or fashion or something yeah. afterwards do it yeah you can buy textiles while you're driving yeah, while you're traveling and ship them home oh yeah so my other idea is to like partner with local people when we're at places in design for example a hundred of something from this factory and they get all the money yeah. and you know there's only a hundred of them and then we go to the next place and do something else with the locals there and yeah I don't know. I've got lots of ideas. Yeah, I feel very nice. inspired. I need to start writing things down and like, oh my God, what do I want to do? <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. 
Um, we really hope you enjoyed listening, guys. If you did, make sure you leave us a review. That really helps us out. And we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode, as always. And make sure you go and follow Julian on Instagram and say hello from us. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.